Hello and welcome to a bird camp wonderland. We are a group of gentlemen who have lots of stuff on shelves. With me tonight in the top right hand corner is the mysterious man from Norwich who is the only person to send me anything for my birthday because he's a very nice man, Mr Nick Wilson. How are you doing Treacle? Oh doing good Danny, how are you on this beautiful Wednesday evening? Uh, my blinds are closed. I have sexy lights that I can now turn on and off via my uh, Amazon devices. I'm not going to say it because it annoys me when people say the A word. Well, it says Arsenal and or the A word. So I'm very good. What have you been up to? How's your Twitch channel going? Well, I've been watching you most of the week playing um, Alan Wake Remastered. How's that going? Yeah, it's all right. It's just plodding along. I think I got what was it, um, what I call hype trained a f- few weeks ago with like donations and stuff, which got my emotes. It was about 100 and. 90 quid, so not bad. Shit, the bed, you finally made it. You're big time. So you won't be on anymore. Then you, you, you're looking at this going, why am I talking to these twats for an hour and a half when I can be on Twitch bringing in the monies? Well, that's the only money I've ever had in two and a half years, so that doesn't really count. Ah, well, there you go. Also uh, joining us tonight is the man who not only has stuff on shelves, but he has stuff stacked on stuff, which is quite impressive, Chris. Are they all DVDs? I think we've been through this. Or they VHSs? Yeah. yeah, mostly porn. Um, but um, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of DVDs, um, CDs as well. CDs there, DVDs yeah. here, and uh, this is my work, my uh, printing. Um, this is just a PC specifically built for my my uh, my my t-shirt printing business. So yeah, it's it's stacked, and you may also notice a new addition behind me. Uh, that is a wardrobe that has exited the bedroom and entered the the spare room. So in the olden days, that used to be the left hand side of the room, didn't it? Mm, yes. Two yeah. Well, it, ago. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. And, and yeah. now, obviously, not in the same house. So uh, no, yeah. Because that'd be that. quite a trek to go and get clothes out every time you needed them if it mm. was in your house from two houses ago. Absolutely. Yes, um, you, a little little word to the wires here. Um, that unit behind me, it's an IKEA Kallax. I got that off of um, Amazon, no, uh, Facebook Marketplace, and I got the four by four for fifty quid the other day. So that's now in my bedroom, full of shit. So there you go. That's where you need to go. Go and get yourself a few Kallaxes. I see you got a, on your your left hand side behind you got some budget Kallaxes. Are they fake ones from Tesco's or something? Are we talking about these? Yes. Oh, no, they they are they are. Um, hang on. They're, they're legit. They are. There's the socks up there as well. No, they're, they're they're being cute. You know, no. Some of us aren't twitch rich like uh, like Nikki, and and are generally rich like you, Danny. So uh, mm. you know, uh, but they do a job. And and and, dear listener, if you do develop any Calax, you can get some cream for that from your GP. So be sure to get that treated. Uh, John did, and he feels better than ever. So he, he certainly does. Um, let's 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 get something. Say something to do. Uh, entice all the the hipsters and the cool kids in. You shared a picture of your trainers collection the other day. Quite mm-hmm. impressive. I only have three pairs of trainers. Um, um, do you refer to them as trainers, or do you refer to them as something else like those Americans do? I don't call them sneakers, if that's what you're referring to. Uh, Scumbags. Or, or what is it America, um, American and North America call uh, what, cleats? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't go with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just I call them trainers. Uh, they are mostly high tops and running shoes. That's my, that's my thing. I did I had... Two pairs of high tops. I had a there pair of go. kangaroos. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they were? I remember those. They were late 90s. Uh, yeah. 
uh, mid to late 90s or late 80s, early 90s. And they mm. had a little pouch in the tongue where you could keep stuff. Yes, you could put like a, a like three pence or something in them, couldn't you? Yeah, That's yeah, I remember it. those. That's all you could reach. And I had a pair of high-tech leagues. Well, all of mine are uh, Nike, Nike, whatever you prefer. Um, I have a couple of Jordan 1s, which I know are quite expensive. Um, and yeah, most of them, uh, I have. I did work out the other day that in the last 12 to 15 months, I have spent approximately £490 on running shoes, which is a little bit worrying. But, you know, they're an investment, so... Can you say? Oh, are they but, uh, investment? It is available on my Instagram. Should you wish to go and have a look at my uh, inane obsession with trainers, um, tell them your Instagram. Is it uh, um, it, KC underscore run R U N Z? Yeah, one, one size fits all. It is KC underscore runs R U N Z on Instagram. I know. I know. We should be getting on talking about football, but we're, we're just we're Must just we? putting off the inevitable fall into the volcano of doom that is Chris mm. talking about Arsenal. Explain to me this and any kidlings out there watching. Why would you spend six hundred pound on on something that you're going to drag along the fucking floor? If you spend six hundred pound on a jaunty hat, that's mm. okay, or some underpants. Well, I could say the same about watch, but don't spend six or seven hundred, a thousand pound on something that you're going to stand into the shit all over the floor. But they, but they are the, but because they are the, um, they are the tools of my trade. You know, it's like me saying, why spend five hundred quid on a wheelchair? Just drag your carcass along the ground. Five hundred quid. The one I want (laughs) is eighteen thousand pounds. Well, then you, well, then you're a bloody idiot, aren't you? Well, I can't afford it. Yeah, but I mean, that, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that they are the, they are the tools of my trade. But I will say this, and this is actually how, a, how you justify tools of your trade. Well, you, you don't have it. Your trade is well, we're not going to tell people what you do for a living, but it involves rum and sea salt. Indeed, and rigging. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, but well, because I, on average, when when fully fit, obviously I'm coming back from oh, injury. Of course, it is. I, I do run on average five, six times a week. So it is, yes, you know, kind of a regular. But I do have a genuinely serious point before we drag ourselves into the volcano Ooh. of doom. Um, <laughs> there is a, a popular, I think I gave him a shout out once upon a time, but there's a popular um, YouTuber that I follow, uh, a gentleman called Ed Budd, who's a, he does running shoe reviews, basically. Um, he, he lives in Yeovil, down in the that. And um, he did a video yesterday, which really opened my eyes. And he was talking about running shoes for people with disabilities. And uh, and I thought of you. No, but I thought of you. And he was talking about people... That's a with... very niche market. Well, this this is the thing. And he was talking about people with cerebral palsy and, like, how do they um... lace up running shoes? And it turns out that only at Nike and very, very few other small brands are the only ones who actually make, like, the flyees with the zips and stuff to allow people to get in. And he said it was genuinely appalling how small the market was for people who wanted to run and be active, but couldn't get into running shoes. Um, so yeah, if you're listening, um, big brands, sort it out. Because they are. They are listening. I mean, they are, of course they are. They, I mean, we all know all the big brands and all the big content creators all watch us. We know yeah. this. So, um, you know. Going right, that's another thing to tick off the list not to do. <laughs> mm. So, um, and obviously we know the Arsenal manager watches this this show. Um, yes. So if, if you're watching, uh, cheers, Mikel. Another, another right. entertaining night. Uh, <sighs> so I have three pairs of trains. I have two pairs of um, sketches and I have a pair of Nike Air Max. Are you a 14-year-old girl, or when when did that happen? When did that take place? I will have you know that the advert is footballing legend Jamie Redknapp loves his kickers. (laughs) I mean, just stop there. Just 
just stop there when you said football and legend. There you go. Oh, See, look at that. that. Like that's proper Air Max classics right there. And you're running got, around in. No, I've got crops. the original BWs, the purple ones, purple and black. Have you heard the advert with Jamie about Red, Jamie Redknapp? Mm-hmm. Football and legend. Hold on. Didn't he win one FA Cup with Liverpool? Now that's it. I mean, that advert is one step away from Jamie O'Hara coming out. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say what I was thinking about saying there. It'll be libelous. But uh, he's a prick, isn't he? Anyway. Um, didn't he score more own goals than actual goals? Didn't he? <laughs> he order to get that record. Be- so that's quite did, good. Yeah. What a man. Brilliant. Right, <laughs> so uh, I think we're going to call this podcast The Arsenal Volcano of Doom, as usual. Very little information about what the show is about. But there is a thing on on Twitter now and on SoundCloud where you can do a synopsis of the show. So, so far, I've got, we talked, Twitch trainers, Jamie Redknapp. That is not going to get many Arsenal fans interested. So I think we should, it's been nine minutes talking nonsense. Let's get on with the main thing. We'll start off with the uh, the Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, Nick, Nick, tell us what you thought about the game because uh, once Chris gets angry and um, spunks his load all over, this, all over the screen in the show, verbally, of course, people, uh, then you probably won't get a word in. So what did you think about it? Let's start off with the, the lineup because it was very... 4-1-4-1 kind of lineup, wasn't it? Which was a bit confusing. Yeah, I mean, other than the back four and the goalkeeper, I don't really know what Arteta's like thinking or doing. But, I mean, I think, plus I got the whole thing wrong because on the last pod I had to predict like what games we were going to do till the end of the... Till Christmas, I think I said win everything. So I don't think I've won that already. <laughs> so I'm, I'm down already. But, but, yeah, I mean, the lineup. What, what, what could he do much different? I mean, other than trying to get Lacquer back into the lineup and play Aubameyang with Lacquer, and obviously Jack is out, so we can't pick him. So that's pretty. I think that's pretty much what everyone would pick. I can't. I mean, Chris will probably say, "I can't." Would you have picked anything different, Chris, for the starting lineup? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't, <laughs> mate. No, I. It's, it, to me, it's not the lineup. It, it's the tactics and all that goes with them. Um, maybe I mean there might be a debate to talk about the change of the lineup. Maybe ahead of the next game, we'll come on to that. But no, to answer your question, I probably wouldn't have picked anybody different. Maybe, maybe in hindsight, a more defensive-minded midfielder in the midfield rather than a, an attacking number ten. But that swings and roundabouts, isn't it? But other than that, no, I didn't see any issue with the lineup myself. Yeah, I mean that was good. I mean to go over the game quickly, we were good for the ten minutes the first 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes, but the, the how many minutes, 70 minutes in between, we were crap. 20 minutes doth not make a game. <laughs> well, <laughs> another pod well, title, well, fucking hell, that's yeah. two. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's another one where we started off quite well, we scored, and then we went back to our usual sit back and try and do nothing until the other teams score again, which... Arteta's getting a bit known for it. Well, didn't we do that from the kickoff? Obama Young went, hey, you, look over there. And as these blokes were meant to be marking him, look the other way, he sprinted down at the end of the pitch. And I thought, that's clever. I like to see that. And then it was, get the ball to the midfielder, to the right back, to the centre back, to the central midfielder, to the left back, to the centre back, to the central midfielder. And I thought, hold on, he's doing this shit immediately. How about use a bit of the pace and the creativity and and have what first of all say to Odegaard Smith Rose playing one of you two is gonna have to come and sit next to party 
just most of the game because otherwise it's like having four tubes of toothpaste and you're squeezing them and they're going into one little tube and then that's spurting it all out to four more tubes that's that's his tactics it's four into one and one out to four wasn't working was it chris but the immediate defensive football of passing back is he trying to i know saliba in france at the moment regularly gets 100 touches a game is Arteta trying to get White and Gabriel stat padding by with a hundred percent pass success rate and two hundred touches per game with, with these tactics? Because I can't see the, the point of it. Can you? I mean, I don't. I genuinely don't see the point of a lot of it at the moment. It's just like it's you know it's, it's two steps forward, fourteen back, isn't it? it, it it's just well, shouldn't that be two passes forward and fourteen back? Well, that well, yeah, that's also. Uh, I I like to call it the the great Arsenal horseshoe of woe, and that's why I like to call it because it is just a horseshoe of of mindless. Just I I, I just I don't. Know. The the thing that is frustrating me at the moment is you know I keep hearing these people talk about the the process and we have to give him time and you know he's building something. It's been basically two years you know and the one thing that you you always associate with good quality managers is a unique style isn't it I mean if it's Guardiola it's past the opposition to to boredom if it's Klopp it's it's high press if it's Solskjaer it's well um you know that every sort of good manager so maybe I'll just remove Solskjaer from that collection but every kind of good and successful manager has had a had a style and and you've always been able to identify what somebody's looking to do to me the the thing that i kind of worry about with Mikel is it it just feels like he's got one plan one plan only and when that plan fails th- there's there's just nothing there there's nothing else that you can that he can change his in-game tactical approach that when he first came in it seemed to be very you know, very, very clear. And the, the whole, when we had the multiple substitutions during COVID, like, he seems to be able to affect games. That's just gone. He's got the pit crew on the bench, as the Tuesday club referred to him, you know, 400 <laughs> staff. I don't know what half of them do. Um, I, I, like Nicky said, you know, the lineup I got, you know, I looked at it and I went on paper. That's quite good. It's attacking. What that says to me is, you know, hi, hi Palace. Uh, you're coming to the Emirates tonight. We've got attacking players. We're going to take the game to you. And we did. And I, I would slightly disagree with Nick and say, you know, first 10 minutes, last 10 minutes. I would argue first six minutes, last three minutes. That would be all I'd give them because in between there was just nothing. And that sense of growing, that that sense of growing dread. You know, when you watch, um, here's an analogy for you. So last night I went to watch Halloween Kills, right, at the cinema. Oh, Solid poor seven. thing. Yeah, solid seven out of ten. You know, it is what it is. But you know that sort of scene in those kind of movies where somebody's walking down an alleyway or going up a flight of stairs, and and you know that the boogeyman is coming up behind, and there's that impending dread of of that. You know, the the, the Michael Myers jumping out of the shadows and and knifing someone to death. Well, Arsenal scoring the goal first. They are the the the, the hero of the film. And then the opposition are the Michael Myers, because you just know that we are going to sink deeper and deeper into our shells to inevitably be stabbed when we least expect it. But we should have seen it coming. 
if we hadn't have run down that dark alleyway or we hadn't have gone up that flight of stairs, then we wouldn't have been boxed into a position where we have nothing left to do but submit to our inevitable doom and, in our case, concede a goal. And I know that's kind of a bit of a deep analogy to go in by, but that's how Mark it feels Kermode like. would have been proud of that. Well, I like to think so. Uh, and shout out to Mark if you're listening. I'm sure you are. But, you know, it's, it just it just felt to me like it's a growing sense of inevitability that the minute we went in front, I don't know about you, and I'll throw this, maybe I'll throw this back to Nikki so I don't ramble on forever. But to me, a big club, a proper club, a club that's fighting for top honours or top four or looking to make a statement goes 1-0 up through Bamiyang and then pushes and crushes the opposition, gets two, three goals and says, right, we've done our business now. What have you got? That's what a big club does. That's what an ambitious club does. And that's what uh, a that's what an attacking, experienced, um, not carefree. That's the wrong. That's the wrong word. But it's it's what a good quality manager who trusts his players and backs his players to express themselves does. And I don't think that's the case for me. It was very obvious. Get one nil up you know, play with a bit of intensity for sort of five minutes, see if you can get another one and then sit behind the ball, wait for the opposition to come at you and counter-attack. And it was so predictable. Do you see that the same way, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could, you might be able to ask this because, you know, for years, Arsenal, we'd go 1-0 up and then all of a, a few times, you know, good when we were fairly good and we'd go mental to try and get the second goal and end up falling over and conceding. So, you know, I mean, there's a fine line between, you know, not going mad trying to get the second goal and concede, but but then letting them just have the ball completely. You know, I mean, because I mean, we've had this before. I mean, maybe because you, you've managed even, a, you know, the sorry, you know, the low level you were at. How do you not? How do you b- b- get the balance right with that? With, See what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean, and and I agree with you. Like, I'm not I'm not saying put seven forwards on the pitch and just go gung ho because at this level you're going to get picked off. Of course, I'm not saying that, but you you just there there is there's games. Bayern Munich are some of the best the best teams in in Europe at this. They I think they beat Bayer Leverkusen at the weekend. I think they won five one. They were five 0 up at half time. Um. And that's against the Leverkusen side have been very good this season. Now, I know there'll be the, you know, well, it's not the same level and, you know, where Leverkusen good and blah, 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 different leagues. But it's that killer mentality. And you you don't, if you if you attack a team and you score a goal, surely, to me, and again, speaking from my level, as you said, like at the lowest level possible, if you score a goal, say you're playing the Sunday league game and you score a goal from a corner, right? And the goalkeeper comes for it, flaps at it, and you're, overweight return striker at the back post knocks it in right the first thought in your head as a team and as a manager is you identify the weakness they've got a weakness at set pieces the goalkeeper's dodgy um, and our big striker is going to get in ahead of most of the defenders because he's a big lump so okay that that's one avenue to go down so if you get a set piece you know what you're going to do but for the next few minutes surely then you exploit other weaknesses don't you so you know the goalkeeper's dodgy from corners so get some shots away, test him. You know that the defender at the back stick is a bit short, so swing some crosses in, test him. So bringing that back to the Palace game, you know, we score from a shot where Pepe cuts in from the right-hand side, curls a shot goalwards. The goalkeeper makes a you know fairly decent save, but parries it into a fairly open area. 
and Aubameyang's sharpest attack and, and on. So why are you not, for the next three to four minutes, why are you not getting that ball down the wing to either Pepe or the opposite side winger, Saka, whomever it may be, and getting at those fullbacks and whipping in those shots and testing the goalkeeper again? testing the reaction speed of those defenders. You know, are, are they on the back foot? Have we caught them cold? You score early. If you if we if we go on and get a second goal, I'm not, you know, Patrick Vieira had a very good setup last night. Palace did did play pretty well. But I wouldn't say they particularly threatened us. They just exploited the ball and they took the chances they created. If we get 2-0 up, they don't have those chances. Because if we're 2-0 up, they really have to take risks. And then to your point... They have to open up their attack. They have to flood players forward. At 1-0, they could afford to do what they did. Sit, you know, sit, still sit deep, protect themselves, keep them, keep themselves in the game at 1-0, even up to half time, and then start to release gradually one extra player, two extra players. They take their two chances, they're in front, and we're toiling. You know, why are we not doing that? I'm not saying chuck eight players forward. I'm just saying you go 1-0 up exploit those weaknesses and maybe throw one extra player into the attack. The minute we scored last night, other than maybe two to three minutes where the crowd were up and everybody was excited and we thought we'd won the league, you know, at least just <laughs> risk a couple of players. And I, and I tweeted it at the time and I stand by it. The, the, the club, this club's mentality or, the, you know, in, in specifically this manager's mentality is we'll score once, you know, we'll over celebrate, We'll, we'll give it the big look at us. We're Arsenal. We're fantastic. Then we'll switch off for 10 minutes and inevitably concede two crappy goals. It's it's so obvious. Um, and let's not forget, we got lucky to get out of Brighton with nothing. With a, Well, sorry, with a point, with no goals. You know, we, we could easily be sat on here off the back of two defeats. Um, and all of this after we won, you know, three games in a row and everybody said we were going to be, you know, everything was solved. It's not solved, is it? No. And this is Palestine. Yeah, that's what getting what I said. I understand, like, if we score a goal and we're playing Barcelona in the Champions League or Bayern Munich, Absolutely. and that's like you could, you know, say, right, just get back, get into position, hold it for five minutes, and we'll see where we are. And no yep. disrespect to Crystal Palace, they're a side we should be beating, even in our weakened, whatever state Arsenal are in at the moment, you know. so why are we doing that against a Crystal Palace side that we probably should be also without their best player in Zaha mm -hmm. at the time? And is what, you know, so, do you see what I'm coming from? Mm. Yeah. And I, and I, go on. Go on. No, I, I was just going to say just to Nicky's point, he's spot on. Um, I, I actually think, and this is not a slight you, Nicky, because I agree with you. I think the olden days, yeah, Arsenal should be expected to beat Palace. I think the realism now is that we are on the level of Palace, of Villa, of Everton, of you know Leeds. Of like, we, we're not we're not a club that has any divine right to. Expect I mean, we're definitely closer to them than we were previously. Oh my, obviously. yeah. I'm not. You know, when I joked at the first podcast we did back that we were going to win the league, I obviously wasn't serious. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, you know, I'm not saying we should. I don't want to sound disrespectful to the lower clubs, because, you know, they are actually a lot better than they used to be. I mean, I remember years ago, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, you'd look down at all the other teams that are not Man United and Liverpool, and you you could probably pick maybe one player out of every side. you think, oh, he wouldn't be a bad player to get. So you'd have 
you know, like a Decanio at West Ham, you thought, oh, yeah, I fancy a bit of Decanio. No one else at West Ham, probably, you know, and you'd maybe get, was it, um, was it Juninho at Middlesbrough? Yeah, players like that, does. and there's like one player at every club that they'd have a decent player. But whereas now we're looking at players and buying players from Brighton and things like that, and you're thinking, "Cool, we could do with two or three of these players from this club," or you know, things like that. So whereas Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool are not buying players from those teams. Well, well no, I mean, well, Liverpool did buy some players from Southampton early on, didn't they? When yeah, that's they were about six years ago. Yeah, but they haven't recently, have they? No. We, well, they're not we buying can, anybody recently. We can we can definitely touch upon the squad a bit later because that's that's definitely a rant that I, I will go on. But no, I, I agree. I do agree. We're at a level now where we're we've got no divine right to beat anyone right now because we're not very good and we haven't been very good for basically the entire time Miguel's been in, in charge. You know, harsh but true. We won an FA Cup where we weren't very good. It's just he can absolutely. do it though. He can do what we want. You see, yeah, but can he? I saw can a brilliant he? tweet. I saw a brilliant tweet last night. He said the last ten minutes of the game were like watching Spurs under Ozzy Ardiles, where he had five or six strikers. So yeah, he, he can go all out attacking football when he needs to. But if he did have done more attacking in the first half, like you were saying, yeah. Chris, and put the game away and scored three goals, which they're probably really, really capable of doing, because like Nick that's, says, not tactical, wasn't playing. that's not a tactical plan, though, is it? No, that's the Hail Mary. Yeah, that, that's a weird... Jesus Christ, shit the bed. We're 2-1 down to Crystal Palace. <laughs> what the hell do we do? I know, let's chuck on all the strikers we've got and lump it long. That, that's not tactics. That's that's Hail Mary. And I know yeah. a lot of people went, you know, went a bit like, oh, Arsenal celebrate the draw like it's a win. I think I think it was Femi or maybe it was Carl hitting the nail on the head. They said, you know, of course we celebrated because the last-minute winner, that's what you go to football for or last-minute equaliser, whatever. You're going to celebrate in the moment... But it's the, the two or three minutes after you've left the ground and you go, hang on a minute, guys, hang on a minute. We just, you know, we're we're accepting mediocrity now. We're accepting, oh, well, we just got a point out of balance. And I'm not saying we didn't do the same under under Arsene before, because I'm sure we did. We probably scraped a last-minute draw away at, I don't know, Bolton or somewhere crap. And But the difference was you knew that those points that you got on the board are getting those where we played like utter toilet. And we got out of, you know, we got out of out of jail with a late equaliser against a lower team. But you knew next week you'd get a better performance. You knew that by next week you the team would learn from that and grow from it. This team, um, in fact, that's harsh. Not this team. This this setup, this style, this approach. It just, it just. There's. I don't know what the plan is anymore. I don't, you know. And and I, I almost feel like that this. This squad now, come Friday, which I know we'll come on to, you could quite easily see a formation change in this game. And that, and that to me, smacks of a manager who doesn't really still now, two years later, know either his best team, his best formation or his best tactical approach. And that that genuinely blows my mind. You know, that's if what you remember, do. Chris, I mean, I can't, to be honest, I've blocked out most of last season but what was it in the um Europa League where that was like 20 minutes to go we're going out we need to score and that's that word you said hail mary everyone knows that's the only play you got more Mm -hmm. strikers on and just launch and if I remember he didn't he didn't even make the subs to do that so you know when there's nothing left in your arsenal 
that's good. To, <laughs> other than to play that way, like, you know, what was he going to do starting from minute one? When that's yeah. so obvious, that's what he's got to do. I mean, Man United won a, champ, a Champions League with a Hail Mary in the last five minutes, didn't they? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. he hadn't, you know, Ferguson had nothing left to do apart from play four strikers and launch it into the box. And they scored two goals where, like we say, for a minute one, do we actually know what he's trying to do? No, I, I don't. I genuinely but just the don't. fact that in our last six games, six games undefeated with four clean sheets, doesn't that show there's progress? Yeah, but yeah, but there's progress in in the defence because that I don't I don't think anyone has has ever questioned um, Mikel's ability to get a team to be sort of uh, you know hard to beat, uh, structured at the back. I don't I don't think that's ever been too much of an issue for him. But it, it's almost like at the minute we go past the halfway line, everybody looks at each other as if to say, "Well, I don't know." Do you know? Well, I, I don't know. Well, do we pass here? Do we? And then we just come back to the Arsenal horseshoe of woe again. You know, it, it's it's mind blowing to me. Gabriel Martinelli came on last night. He, he, I think he ran down the left hand side. He took on a couple of players, got to the byline, and then looked around as if to say, well, "Well, what do I do now? Where is everybody?" And and we're all still there going, "Oh, there goes Gabby. Look, that's nice." <laughs> and and that that to me is. Uh, that, that to me is it, that's not the players. It, it's a they're be, I, I, I stand by this. They're being coached too much. Like it, it, there's too. And when I say coached, I mean coached in the wrong in the wrong thought process. They're so almost afraid to to express themselves. You know, we we bought Erdegaard as a creative player, and, and he's gone backwards because because he's having to play a role that it doesn't suit his style of play. You know, Smith Rowe is is a, an immense talent. Saka is an immense talent. Both of them could probably do with a rest, but they're not getting a rest because we have no other options to play in the positions they've got. And the only options we do have, we then bring them into the team and play them in the wrong positions or in the wrong setup. You know, it, it's just when when you're when basically probably your man of the match is a substitute who comes on for fifteen to twenty minutes and scores you a last minute equaliser. That's that's got to be worrying, isn't it, for the rest of the players? You know, he showed more hunger, like I said, more hunger and more desire in that final 10, 15 minutes than half the half the others have done for for seventy five. That that's and that to me is a player trying to make a point to say I want to play, I want to make a difference in this team. And he's barely been, he's barely got a look in this season. So I don't, I don't think it's an issue of the players' motivation. I, I just feel like they're they they don't have that freedom of expression. Do you think they're being overcoached, basically forced yeah. to hold position? Because I remember it was a Wenger thing early on where he said, I like to let players express themselves and Absolutely. move. Not saying everyone could go wherever they want, because, you know, you'd have Mad Jens Lehmann going up front. But, <laughs> you know, but I mean, we used to see Perez and Lundberg swapping wings whenever they fancied. And, yep. you know, Omri would drift out left and things like that, you know, so they weren't forced into you know, staying into this, like you said, this weird horseshoe thing where no one's allowed to go ahead of this whatever formation we've got. But yep. I don't know. No, well, to bring it more back on to football, shall we talk about some of like the Palace game? Like Because you said That's about what I was Saka. Say. I was going to ask you, Nick. Yeah, we were talking the, about the, the Saka might get a rest. I mean, which, I mean, he might if, if he's been standing a bit differently, he might have got a long rest on that tackle. What do you think about that tackle, Danny? In the first half, horrendous. I've never, 
I've been watching football since the 80s. I have never, ever seen someone go up to someone and deliberately kick him. First of all, he should have been booked for that when he when he who did he bring down? Was it Smith Rowe that he brought down, or was it Saka? Is someone playing on the playing wide? Uh, I think he, I think he flicked, he hit Smith Rowe, but he also flicked a Bamiang before yeah. that as well, yeah, he which did, yeah. where he yeah. got which and they didn't was, stop the game for it. No, but which which I say, cheers, Mike Dean was I pretty much identical to what Saka did, you know, which he got straight into the yellow card for us. Just. I mean, I I don't like having a go at referees, even though I hate them all and think they're all on the take. But I haven't got... You know, we talk about consistency with the referees. I don't want consistency from one referee to another referee because people are different. But when you've got the same referee on the pitch, you know, not doing the same decision for something else, you know, for 10 minutes later, I, I don't agree with that. And we know Mike Dean's bit of a twat but and you know it's all about him <laughs> but i mean that tackle and it's just like they were saying it wasn't a tackle game. it was an assault well yeah because the ball i mean i've watched it in slow motion you know he blew for it, a foul it? for a hand ball by the palace bloke, which it was everyone seemed to stop and then he just decided woohoo free hit and just booted him in the back of the leg and i'm like like i said that's assault and and a few people have said, you know, because Aubameyang got a yellow card a few years ago, which I think was against Palace as well, which everyone went, yep, yeah, yellow card. And then for some reason, VAR decided to get involved and say, hang on, have a look at this for five minutes. Now we're going to send Aubameyang off. And you think, well, you know, you look at this and the refs are hiding their mouths when they're talking so we can't see what they're saying and things like that. And you think, well, what, why are VAR not getting involved with stuff like that? And why, I mean, I said it before, why are the referees not mic'd up so we can explain what they're doing? It's, it's very simple. I mean, I was speaking to my mate who, play, who started playing like weekend football and stuff like that, and I said to him, when the because he said he got booked, I said, well, did the referee actually say, I'm booking you because of this rule? Or did he? has he actually told you why he's booked you. And he said, no, he just says yellow card number four and walks off. And I think, Oh, well, if I was like that at that level, you wouldn't expect that to be like that. You know, at the top of English football, would you? Yeah. Have you seen anything like that kind of tackle, Chris? Cause it, well, it wasn't a tackle, was it? It's not a tackle. It's where well, you call it, right. It's an assault, isn't it? I mean, it's just, uh, I, th- I think it's important to say at this stage, this, this is not sour grapes, you know, um, this is not an, any excuse. But I think it, I think it is remiss to to point out that if if he gets sent off, it's a different game because Palace have one less player, one less player to attack with. They have to change their formation, they have to change their tactics, and he's a key element of their their destroying um, element of the midfield. If you pardon the expression, given the tackle um, or the, the challenge, I mean, it, and it and it does it brings out all those people that that you know chuck the line out if that was Shaka then. You know, because there was a lot of people saying it, and and they are right, and it's the sort of thing Shaka would do, by the way. But it, it yeah, it's just, I mean, the thing is, yeah, we all know Mike Dean's a bit of a bit of a prat, but my biggest issue is how's that not referred? That I guess that's my issue, and I suppose the argument to that would be, well, the referee made the call, therefore it can't be 
reviewed. I think that's the law, isn't it? If the referee makes the call, it's only, they can only overrule the referee if it's a penalty decision or so, uh, something along those lines. Well, no, because they overruled Aubameyang's, didn't they? Which was on the halfway line where we got a yellow card. Oh, okay, and yeah. VAR yeah. interruled and gave him a red. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. We don't... That's just all sports. You know, we're watching rugby. You can hear what the refs are saying. You see what they're saying in their little mm. VAR studio. And whether you like or 100% agree with what they're saying, at least you know how they come to the conclusion of what they're doing. Whereas at the moment, what do you know? I, I yeah. don't know why why it didn't get reviewed. I mean, how do we know he didn't say on his microphone? Nah, fuck him. He missed the penalty <laughs> I mean, in, the, in the world, in the Euros. You, the, you don't the, know, the, do you? The only thing I can think, the only thing I can think that was in Mike Dean's mind is that Saka had a nibble at MacArthur previously, didn't he? So that's what he got the yellow card yeah. for. It's the same player. The only thing I can think is that Mike Dean looked at it and went, well, this is just the classic. One guy's tripped the other guy, the other guy's getting back at him. That's the only thing I can think. It doesn't excuse the, you know, the attempted tackle challenge, whatever you want to call it. And I, and I totally agreed with what, what our blog said, that he's lucky that he kicks him in the soft part of the back of the leg. Because if he kicks him around the shin, if he kicks him in the front of the ankle, if he kicks him around the, the joint of the foot, I mean, that's that's Aaron Ramsey all over again. You know, his leg's in three different pieces. And, and that, because it... It's the very definition of violent conduct, isn't it? It's the very definition. It's not like there was a ball dropping out the sky and he'd gone for a volley. You know, it, he he clearly just goes for the player. There's no, there's just no debate in my mind. He knows what he's doing. Um, it's a moment of madness, and and he should have walked. But you know, that's that that there is nothing else to say, is there? It, it's a bad decision. He'd already done it before um, in the build-up to one of our runs. Saka had gone past him, and he'd gone to take a swing at Saka the first time. And then uh, when if, if 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 Saka wouldn't have been there for, for when he did hit him, where did he think that ball was going to go? He wasn't well, having a shot on goal, was he? The no. ball was coming down vertically towards him. Yeah, and what was he going to do? Have a shot at, from nowhere from that? He wasn't even the ball would have gone about two foot to the right of where he was kicking to, and so he did it to um, Smith Rowe on the right hand side. Then he kicked Saka as he was running off there, and he's kicked Aubameyang, and then he's he's kicked Saka in the back of the leg. And the, uh, the, you never you're you never would have seen an injury like that in football where some, the break in someone's leg would have been broken from the pushing forwards towards the direction where the feet are going. Normally it goes in the other way. And if, it, if that had been, was was it Saka's standing leg? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. He kicked him with such force that lifted him off. Off his feet, which is, yeah. In theory, which is a good thing, because if he had, like Chris said, if he had kicked like, down onto his leg, that would have snapped his leg in half. But yeah, that's what got me, though. The ref had already blowed the whistle and all the players had stopped near enough. And Saka sort of pulled out going for the ball. And then he's just like literally upended him. And, and then the, the, the wanker that stands there and looks at Saka laying on the floor with his arms open going, that, That's the bit that got me. That was that, That's why I tweeted. I said, like, you know, imagine imagine sort of doing... And he did that what thing, didn't he? You could, re, you could lip read. Imagine being that thick. You know, I'm not saying that he should immediately fall to his knees and go, oh, I'm so sorry. But, like, just take the yellow card and sod off, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's so... 
it was just yeah uh, it's just what we needed on the pitch that day was Patrick Vieira because he'd have gone up to him <laughs> later in that game and that bloke would now be breathing through a tube which well, is what ever... we don't we have none of that at Arsenal well we do but he's suspended and whenever he does any he tries to go after people do the slightest little thing red card and well, this prick has done four yellow card fouls if you look at those as individual actions if if you had some way of blanking out the player's face and the kits, just making them the I don't know monochrome or something, and then you put it to a panel of ref, ten referees and went right those four incidents, so you couldn't tell the purse of people and you couldn't tell the games. All three of those would have been a yellow card and one of them would have been a red card, and he just yeah. gets away with it. They'll probably Photoshop it into that one that's been going around for a couple of years with um where David Luiz got sent off. Where you've got all those like fouls where people's feet are going through knees and shins, and then you know the bloke kicking the bottom of Louise's foot and getting a red. That's just I don't know. That's not nice. To keep moaning about referees, but but it was so bloody blatant. And yeah, then the moment was, we do anything, yeah. Saka touches someone, yellow card. And then Aubameyang yeah. comes up to the referee and goes, "What? What are you doing?" And it was, I think it was part. He was pointing over there, going, "Did you did you not just see what he did on the other side?" And, yeah, did, and what I said. he took he him did. down. Yeah, that's and what I'm saying. He's laying on the floor. That's what I'm saying. He did the exact same thing what Saka done and got a, you know, well, he got a yellow card. For... I mean, yeah, yeah, no, Saka's wasn't even as bad. Well, yeah, but at least the ball was in front. He flicked a Bamiang and Smith Rowe off the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this one was might as well have been off the ball because I don't know what he was hit. I don't know what ball he was aiming for. But, but there again. Know. Wasn't it the way in the old days it used to go out there uh, in the late Avenger days, go out there and kick them and they don't like it up them? But ironically, it's probably Patrick Vieira that would have given the instructions <laughs> to to James MacArthur to put it, you know, to because Vieira probably would have looked at us and said, yeah, when, when you know, this isn't the what Arsenal. Does he, what does he need to do to Arsenal to win? And well, he yeah, it. he would have known. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Palace, and, he should feel hard done by because we didn't deserve a point out of that game. Yeah, but but that said, and I've I've heard that said quite a bit. The only thing oh. I would say to that is, don't get it wrong. Palace were very good; they were very well organised. Um, in Conor Gallagher, they've got a really good midfielder. He's on loan from Chelsea, isn't he? Um, Edson Odwal is a striker that, that we should have gone in for. I've said it then, and I'll keep saying it. I'm not saying he'd have got us forty a season, but he would have got us what I call the the Will Toward Hall. He'd have got us ten or eleven a season. Um, you know. <laughs> It's not to me. We gave Crystal Palace a point. I, I wouldn't say they. When I say they didn't earn earn it, I'm not criticising them. They came with a game plan. They took their chances. They were very well organised, etc. But it, I wouldn't say that they came and deserved to. You know, they blew us off the park, creating chance after chance. Well, for their goals, goals, errors by us as well. That's yeah. I think that's what you mean in it. So yeah. And other than that, I mean, I was talking to um, John on Twitter earlier today or yesterday, and someone was like. Other than that, they just had a few shots from 30 yards out into Rose Ed. That's not like they absolutely peppered us and that could have been four no. or five against us. But No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I couldn't believe that they, they were they were 2-1 up at one point because they didn't come there to win the game. Benteke couldn't score in a brothel unless he plays against Arsenal and then he scores. He's a terrible, terrible forward. He's not a striker. He's just a bloke who plays up front. Mm. He's another Terrible Andy player. Carroll, isn't he? Only for some reason, he's only turns us. up two games a year. Uh, Andy Carroll had a bit of skill and nice hair. Well, I mean, the hair's questionable, but yeah. Is he Man United? Are, are losing two 0 at home? 
Oh, are they? Splendid news. I was checking Atlanta. scores, but then I got embroiled oh. in, in the Arsenal horseshoe. Of well, we want Oli still there when we play so them. We don't are. want him gone before but we get There again, you, you can't expect Man United to win when you've got uh, unknown players like um, Penandes, Ronaldo, Rashford and Greenwood playing up front. I mean, they're lucky. I've never heard of any of them. Well, I mean, more, more importantly, uh, Unai Emre's Villarreal at 2-0 up away at Young Boys. So, uh, you know, that's... Um, According to who scored... Atlanta got the assist in the 28th minute and the goal in the 29th minute. That was either a very, very long and slow pass. <laughs> it's a really long or, attack. <laughs> oh, they've got something wrong. Good win for Leicester. They won 4-3 at, at Spartak. And that bloke and that, for them got four goals. Never heard of him. Who, who is it? Patson Dacker. Oh, Patson Dacker. Yeah, he's the lad from Salzburg that they got in the preseason. Yeah, very, very talented, to be fair. He's Zambian, I believe. First Zambian to score in the Premier League, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Uh, um, no, well done to them. Uh, more clubs with uh, far more positives than Arsenal right now, so that's <laughs> good. Right, Chris, um, you want to talk a bit about Lacazette scoring? Because we know he's your boy, Lacazette. Yeah, Is he going I mean, as well? Cover that. Is he going to... Because it looks like there's no contract going to be renewed. And then 1st of January, he's back off the France, oh. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he'd be well within his rights to start looking at his options because he's got a career to think about. And if he's not being played, then I wouldn't blame the guy for for looking around. I mean, I said it last summer, and I say it now. I would have offered him a one year deal. I, I get why people wouldn't have gone further than a year. I understand that he is getting, you know, he is getting older. Um, the one I love the most is when people say he's overweight. I mean, if that's overweight, I'd love to be that oh. that shape. To be fair, so. Uh, yeah. It does make me laugh. It's like if you're stocky, you're just fat. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, I mean, as I said earlier on, I don't want to go over my old words, but he just showed he showed a desire and a fight. Um, he's he's very passionate about the club he plays for. It was what he got his reputation at Leon for, being a, a fighter, a winner, a grafter. You know, you look at the work rate the guy goes through. He's a, he's a centre-forward. Goal scoring is his business, and yet... While he's been at Arsenal, he's done so much of the donkey work. He's carried so many um, periods of this club where we've just needed a striker to come in and and do a job. I think it's fair to say, you know, if you look back over his career, he probably hasn't hit the heights that that we would have hoped he would have hit, given his goal-scoring prowess at Leon. But as I will also keep saying, we never bought the the Fakir to to feed him. You know, we had Mezzo, and obviously that we know where that went, um, and he's never had the. Um, the the filter to to feed him the chances that he thrives on, which is a player getting to the byline, cutting it back, or a player in the number ten role and feeding him. Erdegaard is good enough to do it, but obviously Lack has got to play first. I think Smith Rowe is probably technically good enough to do it as well, but we haven't seen him in the same side. And I genuinely, I know we'll come on to Villa in a bit. I I would be very keen to see him in that starting lineup because he's earned it. Every time but he's come on season, does that mean Young on the left of him up front, or yeah, well, I mean, not working on the left? I mean, I, I wouldn't be against the idea of playing a two. I said that a few weeks ago. I, I don't see any reason why we couldn't play a uh, a four-one-two-one-two. I mean, why, why not? If we, because let's be honest, yeah, when we play wingers, we don't use them. So what's the fucking point? Do you know what I mean? And this is another this is another Arteta gripe I've got. He's got a couple of very talented wide players. And he just refuses to let them play as wide players. He doesn't, and he doesn't encourage those wide players to cut in. You imagine, imagine us having a Mark Overmars in the team now. He'd probably play left wing back. You know, all of our because all of our width comes from our fullbacks. Tommy Asu is, uh, you know, I'm going to stand by this. He's a very good centre back with the ability to play right back. 
He's had a shocking last few games. Well, he's, he's just to me, he's, he's he's not a right back because he's he's too he's too much of a unit to play in that position. He's just, of in the modern day, fullbacks are you know stocky and quick, slimline and quick, or technically you know technically good with an attacking mindset. That's the modern day fullback. Yeah, you know, Tommy Asu is a very good defender, but that's Arteta's, that's what he is. Arteta's brought him in to do his tactic job, hasn't he? He like he yeah. wants someone that when Tyranny runs down the left, he shuffles across, they make yeah. a back three. And then yep. when he runs down the right, then Tyranny plays in the back three like he does for Scotland. Yeah. And and so I don't know if we can complain about the fact that he's not very good, seemingly, of running down being a right wing back, but when our defensive unit up until the Palace game, but that was two mm-hmm. errors from our central midfielders. But um, for the, up until the Palace game, that system of the back five is working brilliantly. It's what uh, that has been the thing that for me has saved our season from that run of getting smashed three games in a row. And you can't like Tyranny missed that um, that chance. He, he, he spanked it. He hit that ball like Saka was standing in front of him. That's how hard he hit that ball. Um, and with the, their player not getting sent off. And uh, with with um, party making an error, and then um, Sambi making an error, which apparently there's people on Twitter saying they want Sambi now sold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that's not his fault, is it? He's, I mean, he's clearly not ready for, you know, he's not ready to be starting games. And um, although I don't actually get on board the eight Ainsley mate and ours hype train as much as some, he at least he's got the experience in Him a game right like that. Back to come would have been in. good. Well, yeah, well, or even bring him on as a central midfielder. I mean, you know, he's got the experience of Premier League football. He's 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 just by definition got more experience than than Sambi has in a game where you're looking to hold the lead. Surely you turn to experience, not youthful, not youthful uh, excitement, if you will. So I don't know. I, as I say, it's not to criticise Sambi because since he's come in, he's been very, you know, he's been, he's been very he's been a breath of fresh air. He's a hard worker. He's you know, he's, he's a lad who's clearly got a lot of upsides, but he was also playing in Belgium last year. You know, it's, it's a big step up for a lad of that age to take on that that amount of responsibility. And then that just comes back to, again, I can't remember who tweeted me this, so I apologise, but somebody was saying, you know, we spent 50 million quid on a defender we probably didn't need um, when we could have spent that on the defensive midfielder that we've needed for about 14 years. You know, <laughs> so you get you reap what you sow, don't you? So, and and we're not going to get Shaka back until January. Not that that's. Uh, and then he'll get sent off straight away <laughs> for a dodger. Where where do we go though from Nick? Where do we go from here? Because for me, the back five works. Last night was just unlucky. Um, shit refereeing, two central midfield mistakes. Um, Matt, I mean, he said Madsen. Then uh, Ramsdale has been fantastic in goal, palming things away, shouting and screaming at his players. Like when that first goal went in, he was shouting at the defenders, which is brilliant. And then since we have many of the pieces to make the Arsenal jigsaw work, but it's not working. So do you see a problem with the defence or would, do you think the problem is going to be oh, maybe Arteta's attitude to going all oh, one, like our Emery was, scared to to lose or scared to concede goals? The only, well, I mean, the only thing I'm a bit worried about is because what Arteta's been doing over the last two or three years, he gets a somewhat solid defence for five or six games in a row and then for some reason he just completely changes it because so I think last year what was it we started with um holding and Gabrielle 
and it was like a really good partnership. Then all of a sudden, for no reason at all, David Luiz turned back up again. And you think, well, all right, that was one game in the Europa League to give him some minutes. Fair enough. We get into the Premiership the weekend, back come Holden, and then, nope, he's changed it again. And then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, what did we play about 17 different right backs last season? Mm-hmm. And now we've bought a right back that's not actually a right back, according to Chris. That's just, I don't know if he's, I mean, we'd all say that back four and the goalkeeper should play every game from now till the end of the season if they're not injured or in the red zone or whatever it is. If we can rest them, if we get like a fourth, you know, a really easy FA Cup, you know, draw or whatever in January. The first two games, yeah, rest them for that. I get that, but that back five should be set in stone. It's you know the midfield and onwards that needs to be played with, and I'm just worried he'll start. Do you say midfield and omelets? Midfield and onwards. Okay, got it. I thought actually I could do with an omelet, mm. although I have a, a phobia of cracking eggs, but we won't go into that. Oh God, we've reached that but, point in the podcast, but, listeners. We'll see you all next week. But. <laughs> His his hundredth game is going to be Watford. At the moment, buy that game because our upcoming fixtures. If we have a quick look at that, we've got uh, Villa at home in the league. We're not going to win that. Oh, uh, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is going to be there, people. So if you want to go and stalk him, he's going to be there with Jace and Simon and uh, Chimp, and they're going to. I think Femi and Carl might be meeting up as well with them. So then they're not the game after that is Leeds in the League Cup. Now I don't know what the hell is going on with Bielsa and Leeds, but they need to concentrate on the league. So I reckon we'll win that game. We're way to Leicester in the Premier League. Good luck with that. If we're not winning that at home to Watford, well, I think Watford will have got through about another three managers by them. So I'd say we've been I'm gonna beat Watford and we're gonna beat Leeds. So that means Mikel Arteta's record is gonna be played hundred games and he's won fifty two. Chris, with a win ratio of 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 um 52%. Is that not is that not good enough? You're asking the complete wrong person because I cannot stand arguments that are won or lost by stats. No. Getting, uh, just, uh, just, that's just personal opinion, and I know people are going to say, oh, yeah, but the stats are the facts. I don't a 52% win ratio. That's not bad. No, it, no, it's not. It's not bad, but it's also not good, is it? Let, let's, be on, let's be honest. What we're saying then, over the course of a 38 game, if you face that, if you want to talk stats, you base that over a 38-game season, all right? If I said to you, Danny, back in the good old days of the 94-95 season or, you know, the, the early 2000s, how many defeats could you could you take in a Premier League season to win a, to win a league title? Four, six. Seven. six? I, I, would, I would say no more than six. You, the Ferguson-Vanger era, for example, or the Ferguson oh, then team. Oh, be two or three. Exactly. But even in the modern day, so you, so you say six, right? So you're saying to me that Arteta's win percentage is 52%, right? As long so as he draws all the others, we're champions. Mm. Yeah, but are we? No, and, we're and losing we're all the others. This is exactly it. And you, you say 38-game season, what is that? So what's half of 38? Uh, 19. No, it's not, is it? Yeah, yeah it is. You're right, yeah. sorry. 19. So say you win Say you win even 15 of those, but you lose 12. Do you know what I mean? Like... It, stats schmats it's just give me the eye test i i wouldn't and i'm sure you'd be with me on this danny and you might be the same Nick. if we're if we're entertaining and and you can see a clear plan of what we're trying to do and we you know we go out and play palace and we lose four three 
you know, or we lose 2-1 because we took the lead and we battered them, we didn't take our chances and they got two lucky goals. You walk away going, OK, you know, we're all pissed off. We're probably still moaning, but you can see a plan. You can see what they're trying to do. You've been, you know, are you not entertained? But when you are churning out the sort of crap we've churned out, and we have been crap for a number of years now, what's the point in, in all this stability if it's actually going nowhere? And there's there's nothing that I hate to be harsh, but I'm going to be. That I have not seen anything, genuinely anything, in, in Arteta's uh, portfolio that suggests to me that we've got any sort of a clue where we're going. It's just fudge it, see what happens. And again, let's not let's not forget, and I did tweet this the other night, and it actually got more um, positive responses than I expected, I'm not going to lie. This is his squad now. These are his players. Can't argue with that. This is his club. This is bit. I mean, our club has basically been Guardiola. You know, this is all. Everything is built around Mikel now. From the, the player, before crew. someone says, "Well, he didn't sign Lacazette and Aubameyang. He's had time to get rid of them if he wanted to. He gave them a new contract that makes him his players." Absolutely. This is the I same. I think other than Lacazette, I think he's either signed all the players or extended everyone. That's a very like good point. Something like that. So he's decided that is my player. Exactly, exactly that. And this is the same manager who extended Balogun, and we've not seen him since the start of the season. What was the point? And no loan. And no loan. While you know, banging yeah. in a goal or two a game yeah. in the under 23. So, Nick, where do we go from here? Personally, I'm happy just to keep it the way it is. I don't want to go through the trauma of another manager coming in and then. First of all, we're not going to get the Brighton manager, which a lot of people want. And then even if we do get a manager of that 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 level, it's going to take them a few years to a couple of seasons to get the team players they want, get the balance they want, get everyone used to it. Or if we go for a high-end manager like a Conti who wouldn't come here, even if he paid his taxi fare, who's going to come in and go, right, first thing I want is 250 million, and then I want all these players' contracts cancelled unless they piss off. So I'm just happy to go, well, I can see there's roots of stuff that's that's happening. Hopefully, I mean, by 100 games, Arteta should know now that you need to go out there. And if with the players we've got, you should go out there and bunch of two or three nil up, then go, then go full Arteta. But I'm I'm just happy to keep it the way it is. I'm they they've beaten me into submission. Nick, what's what's the future for Arsenal that you think that we need? Well, I I don't I can't think of a manager that would come to Arsenal and go in with this process. What we're trying to do, which is it's quite it's obvious what we're doing now. We've got the youngest squad in the Premiership. We've bought a lot of decent young players, and we're going to have to hopefully wait for them to mature, gel, you know, get better as footballers over the next what two to three seasons, maybe. And then, if that is going really well and they're playing well, and we've sort of managed to get into the top four then buy a couple of superstars to just top it off. Exactly the same as what Liverpool did, you know, bought players from lower down the league, weed it out, get everyone on the same page, everyone matured at the same time, then one player out, Van Dijk and Allison in, and then they went and they were ready. That's what we've got to do. Whereas the only thing Arteta's there for at the moment is to help those players develop how it is and probably take a lot of flack for when we're playing terrible. I mean, what manager's going to come in and take that abuse? None of the big managers, because they'll look at it as, oh, my, let's say my win percentage is going down. I want this player. I want that player. Because like I say, most of football, you don't get any time. 
Watford, you get like three games and you're gone half the time. I think <laughs> Ranny, I think they might be getting rid of Ranny Harry to get Steve Bruce in as we speak, more than likely. But yeah, who's going to come in and ca- basically we've got to get someone to come in and just do exactly what Arteta's doing, but hopefully with a little bit more of a plan and tactics and better football. Chris, so you've got a you you've got a well thought out answer about this because no doubt you've been going over this in your head the entire time for the last twenty four hours. Well, I mean, it, you know, actually, weirdly, I haven't. I mean, I, I I I agree with Nick and I slightly disagree at the same time. I, I agree with him when 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 he says, and I agree with you as well when we say like, do we really want to go through, you know, Emery too? Do we do we really want to go through the whole process of <laughs> process? God, I fucking hate that word. Um, Just don't trust it. No, I've really just just don't trust it. Blow it up. But um, do we really want to go through that period in the club again, where there's more upheaval? Now, I would argue, I would argue that if you sell the sell, the, I was going to say project. Then can we stop with the p words? Jesus. <laughs> if you if you sell the idea of of what Arsenal are trying to be, right? Let, let's not forget. No matter what any other club says, we are the biggest club in London. It's fact, right? I don't care about. Chelsea's, you know, paid for Champions Leagues and Spurs are just irrelevant. But, you know, we are the biggest club in London. It's just fact. It's historic and it's in, in, the, in the ground, right? We're still a massive draw. We're in a very fashionable part of London, a very wealthy part of London. Um, we've got a beautiful... OK, I'll take that back. We haven't got a beautiful stadium. We've got a stadium that's falling apart. But we once had a beautiful stadium that could do the liquor paint uh, outside as well as inside Arsenal, if you're watching. But um, there's a lot of plus sides to Arsenal, and I, I genuinely think if you get the right manager who's hungry, and you and you sell and you sell the experience to him, and you say, look, you could make a legacy here. You've got all these young players. Sure, you know we'll give you 30, 40 million a summer, so you can bolster it with a couple of your own players. No problem at all. But this is the nucleus now. You know that, and you and you sell it like it is, and you just say that this is what you've got to work with. We're going to be realistic with you and tell you this is what you've got. There are, I'm sure, plenty of managers who would jump at the opportunity for that job. And yes, some of them might not be what you would call the extravagant names. Some of them might not be the ones that people would pull out and say, oh, yeah, perfect. You mentioned Graham Potter. Personally, I think it's a step too high. I've said that from day one. I'd like to see him go from a Brighton to a, you know, a a sort of a slightly higher up the table club. And I appreciate we're mid-table as well. But you get my drift. I think sometimes a... You know, a level a level club up would be good to see what he does there first. Otherwise, you've got Roberto Martinez Mark II on your on your hands. But there are managers out there that you could attract, and there are more importantly than anything else, there's more experienced managers than than Mikel Arteta out there. That that's the big thing for me. Um, and and I have to say this every time I'm on this podcast or any other podcast, I keep saying it, and I will continue to say it. I'm not all total out because I'm a. I'm not three years old, and and b. I'm not against any player or manager that represents the club. You know, I want to see him succeed. I want to see it work out. I loved him as a player. I genuinely did. You know, and and I like him as a bloke. And don't get me wrong, he comes out with some utter twaddle in press conferences at times. But you can tell he cares. I do think he genuinely loves the club. I do think he genuinely wants to succeed. I mean, of course he does. It's his profession. But I can't help but think that there are managers out there with more experience, more CV, better suited, 
that can can come in and do a job. And every time people say to me, oh, yeah, but it takes time. We didn't take Thomas Tuchel very long, did it, at Chelsea? Didn't take him very long at all. You know, it didn't take... He would have come to Arsenal, wouldn't he? I think he would have, yeah. genuinely think he would have. We were linked to him before he went to Dortmund. And what did it? How long did it take Klopp to to you know turn Liverpool into? And, and I'm linked to him as well. And still, still to this day, I think Klopp is slightly overhyped, to be honest. But you can't knock his record. You can't knock what he's done with Liverpool because they were they were Arsenal now, weren't they? They were bang average before he came in. No, you know, and he bad. turned that. Well, okay, fair enough. But you I'm know what I mean. Sure I, I'm pretty sure I know this answer. But if two years ago, because we're coming up on two years of Arteta, and hmm. someone said to you, "Oh, Arsenal are appointing a young." manager, you know, who used to captain the side and we're going with for a younger manager rather than so we're all gone, oh it's Vieira. Would, would <laughs> yeah, we not yeah. have all thought that? Because yeah. it's not just the man the experience a manager gets like you know on the match day, tactics, substitutions and that. That's all the stuff he has to deal with off the pitch. I mean you think what he's had to deal with, you know, experience wise stuff that's happened. Of you know, obviously the pandemic has been horrible for everyone, which is, not, you know, but, you know, he's had to deal with Ozil, Gwendouzi, so many players putting on their parts. What, what was it you said, Danny? The Bundesliga bastards? <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff he's had to deal with. And I'm sure after two years of, you know, being a manager, he's got enough experience with that that if he was to do it again, he would, you know, at another club or, you know, from if he that now came to us and right, oh, this is what happened. Well, I did that and that. That didn't really work. But I've got the experience of knowing why that didn't work. So I'll do it this way. That's all that kind of experience as a manager, because it's not just, you know, the, the playing. That's everything around it as well. I mean, like I said, I mean, we want to talk, you want to talk about him, didn't you, Chris? Um, Gwen Doozy. I mean, I personally, I think he's a terrific player bit of a twat. He would probably agree that he's a bit of a twat, to be honest. But I don't agree with how he's been treated because of what he's... Because he had a argument with someone on the pitch where, rightfully so, he should be going at that guy. He like, injured our goalkeeper, like I said, deliberately. And he, he's, you know, said whatever he said to him. I was like, so what? You think years ago, like you said, Vieira and Adams... Do you think they'd have been nice about it if someone would have done that to one of our players? No, I, I, I think, I think the suggestion is the reason he was actually farmed out of the club was that the, the incident in Dubai wasn't there. There was a follow up where he essentially refused to apologise for his actions that day. Um, personally, I think the the, on, the only reason, and, and this is just my opinion. Talk about the, the last game he had as well. Cover that. But he was brilliant. Uh, he, he was brilliant for Marseille. He scored two goals. I mean, that's not what he's in the side to do. In and fairness. an assist. And an assist. And he, 10 out of 10. He's captain the club. He's captain Marseille this season. He's a full. He's now a full French international. Well, I mean, he was already an international, but he's been he's been called up to the the senior squad twice now. First time to cover Pogba's injury. The second time, completely on merit. Um, th- this this myth that he unsettles dressing rooms, and it is a myth. I'm just going to say the the only re- this is the English media um, lack of brain cells is all I can tell you because. The English media, what they do is they find a story and they go, right, well, he did that in the, the almighty Premier League, so he must be a twat. No, do your fucking research. Did he, ha- does he have, a, as Nicky said, does he have a spiky 
sometimes twattish personality. Absolutely. All right. Is he a bit of a shit? Absolutely. But is he a player with huge upside, huge potential, and a player that needs managing correctly? Absolutely. And isn't it funny that when you put your arm around a player and you have a little word with him and you, you know, you put faith in him and you give him his legs, you give him his wings and you say to him, if you perform, you'll be in this team. That's all Sam Pauli has done at Marseille with Gunduzi. That's all he's done. He's just said, look, I believe in you. You're a young talent. You, you've got bags of energy. Your passing range is, is coming on. Your all-round game is coming on. I trust you. I've got faith in you. Go and run that midfield. And that's exactly what he's doing. And has he had an argument on the pitch with a player? Yeah, absolutely. Why has he had an argument on the pitch with a player? Because the guy wants to win. What's wrong with that? How many arguments did you see? How many times, and I'm not comparing the players on ability levels because that's fucking mental. How many times did you see Thierry Henry do the French shrug? You know, the, the Gallic, or what, what the fuck? You know, how many times would you see him chew out other players on the pitch because he didn't get the pass? You know, he was a very, <laughs> dare I say it, he was a very French Frenchman, wasn't he? You know, it was all expression and gestures and... Um, G'ing up of other players. Vieira was another one. He'd be in the ear of players all the time. You know. Chris, can he, you remember at the full time at Newcastle when Henri completely lost it and went at everyone yeah, and yeah, the yeah. referees? Can you just imagine Arsene Wenger coming in? You know, I think that was like 2002 or it something. Was a, it was like a that. home game against Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah, he went for at, the referee, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he went for the refs and then. Yeah. Our players tried, he just wouldn't stop. Can no. you imagine Arsene Wenger saying to him, Now, Sierra, you say sorry, or I'm going to loan you out exactly. and I'm going to kick you out of the side? Exactly. You know, I don't know if he's trying to just pick on a young lad to try and say, mm. Oh, well, I'm the manager but now. But it's you not know, that, I'll... mate. It's not that. What it is, is, uh, and I, I, again, this is my opinion, I stand by it. He doesn't like young players with personality. He doesn't. He doesn't like well, it. I mean, I said this before, you know, yes, yeah, football, but this is their profession. This is their job, right? Mm -hmm. Irrelevant of who's a manager, whatever. If I'm at work and I know I'm right, I ain't apologising if I don't think I should apologise. I don't no, care. I the most we can say is, well, I tell you, you know, and this is like I say experience with Arteta. I say, right, mate, I don't think you should have done what we do. Well, I think that's right. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll agree to disagree. But come on, let's get down. Let's get down to some work. Let's in the next training session. Let's put it all behind us and let's just get down and concentrate on football. Done. Exactly. You shouldn't then step it up and then you know throw your weight around and then have him you know dropped out of the squad completely. Because I you know I, which is another thing. I think if he had something like that happen again, I don't think he reacts the same way. Look, look at this as a question. Now ask yourself this question, right? Xhaka gets injured. Okay. If I said he loves. Yeah, exactly. So, so Shaka gets injured um, last night. Are you could you tell me hand on heart that Ganduzi would not, on current form, not get into our midfield right now? He would, wouldn't he? He just would, you know. And he's and he's a, a player who, at the very least, we've we've sent him to Marseille with what a nine million pound buyout clause. <laughs> they're yeah. they're doing cartwheels over that obligation to buy you know at the very least send him on loan and say you know the fee to be arranged upon you know you've got a mandatory price tag to buy 
the mandatory price tag is 30 mil. You know, you just know it, he's going to go to like Chelsea or something in three yeah, years' time for about 80 million. And he just, but he just might, knows he coming. might not, he might not. This is the thing, you know, it's not me saying, Oh, he's the world's greatest midfielder, and I'm not he saying show, he shows that he can do it. He's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you put faith in a player and you and you say to him, Look, like we do, like he does with Xhaka. Well, exactly. You know, this is a guy who, let's not forget, again, you know, threw the captain's armband down, besmirched the club, slagged off the fans, and then he got rewarded for that with a new contract and the fucking captain's armband back again. You know, what does that say? And, I'll tell you and what, that... Gwen Doozy, the two years he was here, he was so consistent, not saying he was world-class, but he was good pretty under much Emery. every game under mm. Emery and then the first few months of our, you know, he was good. And to come straight into the side like that, I haven't seen that happen since what Jack and Fabregas, not say he was on their no, level, it wasn't but that for level being as, as a young 18 year old, mm. but you look at Saka and Smith Rowe, I have a few really good games, a few average games, bit of a stinker, maybe get dropped for a couple of games and they come back in. Whereas mm. him, he, he just played well enough for uh, and, two years. You think, well, he hasn't done anything to be dropped. He's done well. I, I'm going to upset a few people here, but I don't give a shit. Um, there is there is very little difference in quality between Gunduzi and Smithrow. There isn't. I'm sorry. The only difference is one's from North London. He wears a number 10 shirt and everyone loves him. And the other one's got, you know mental hair and is, is, and is a bit of a bellend and every time you ask people and again i know they're not the same type of player but i'm talking laying all the stats out and everybody likes their stats there isn't a huge amount of difference in talent between the two players and whenever whenever anyone goes goes on twitter at me and oh yeah you're just talking about it because because they're french <laughs> well, well yeah because i watch a lot of french football you bellends so i'm obviously going to have seen him more than a player who's on loan in fucking japan just facts sorry guys but that aside if you if you look at if you look at the the arguments that people put to you and this is the same argument i read it every time get french football news bless them tweet about Ganduzi, and they love to wind up the arsenal fan base just go to the comment section drop it down and have a look at it and it's the same shit from the same brain dead arsenal fans yeah but he's a twat yeah, but he's a bad influence on the dressing room. Yeah, but he can't behave. Yeah, but he's not. Sorry, when were you guys in the dressing room exactly, guys? When when did you hear these quotes? Go on the internet, okay? Type in Matteo Genduzzi quotes. The only manager you will ever hear talk negatively about him and his attitude was when he was at Lorient and he had a falling out with the the then manager. It must have been, escapes my escapes my memory. I'll have to look this up. But it was the the, the former coach. He had a big ding dong with him and they had a falling out. And, he, and I think the quote is something along the lines of Matteo is extremely talented, but, you know, he sometimes has a questionable temperament on the pitch, something along those lines. This this idea that he's, a, you know, a, a constant, like, just cancer in the dressing room is such a load of rubbish, you know. And 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 I would argue that someone like Aubameyang's personality could be just as bad in the dressing room because when he does the drive... Say again? Mikel Landro. Mikel Landro, my... that's right. Yeah, the former goalkeeper. You're right. Absolutely right. So I'm, I'm not right. Wiki's right. Well, that's <laughs> Chris, what do you say? Because Partey has to be in midfield, right, because of 
well, he's a bit different to everything else we've got, and we paid a lot of money for him. He's obviously, market, yeah. if, if you know, if he was here, if he had to pick not Jacker because he's injured, and Gwen Doozy was here, who would he pick to play with? If he had to play as two in midfield, It'd be Gwen Doozy, um, wouldn't it? Uh, I. I mean, it, we're not in Thomas Parsley's head, clearly, but yeah, I, I think so. That there's, I think there's, you would. there's more of a balance because would you... Jack has got the turning circle of the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean, hasn't he? Plus, you know? now we're getting to the stage where we're now paid thirty something million pound for Odegaard, and now we're mm. trying to bring him back and play him in midfield. We're part. Of it. I'm like, well, that's not why we signed him, and that's uh, not no, where he's. He, yeah, exactly. And I was like, why are you trying? Why is Arteta trying to force, you know, Smith Rowe and Odegaard into the same side? I mean, to be honest, for how, for what he actually did yesterday, and I'm not knocking him. You know, he's you know that is hard sometimes adjusting to the pace and whatever of the Premiership. But for what he, good he was yesterday, he'd been better off putting El Nene in with him that game. Yeah, no, because I, I tell you what, Part A wouldn't have got overrun. No. And just ganged up on as much and led to the goal with him as, as yeah. he did with Odegaard. Because remember what was at the United game last year when he played with him? Yeah. Those two were absolutely awesome. They dominated. Together. There, there was and, a stat. Did you see the stat that went round about, um, I'm sure it was all three of them, certainly two of the three, but I think it was all three of them, that between them, Saka, Smith-Rowe and um, Odegaard made zero tackles in the game yesterday. Was that, that complete your tackles? No, no, just a tackle. Tackles full stop. That that's astounding. That's a, that's <laughs> that's that's basically three quarters of your midfield not making tackles. And and as Nicky said there, you know, I'm uh, this is not the, people mistake being critical of a player as you're slagging them off. Again, do like get, anyone that thinks like that, do yourselves a favor. I, I'm I'm getting salty now, but get an education. Okay, read a few Go books. On, Chris. All right, learn something. Learn about life. You can be critical of something without, be, you know, without being abusive. You can criticize somebody or something without saying it's terrible or you know it's wrong. But you can be critical of people, and you can say that Saka has not been informed this season because he hasn't. You can say that Smith Rowe is still finding his legs because he is. And if those two players are not performing, take them out of the team and try something different. You know, heaven forbid, give Pepe license to play the position he wants to play and, and actually play with a, a fluid front three. You know, put Aubameyang one side, Pepe the other, and Lacazette through the middle and say, you guys are a fluid front, front three. All you've got to do is rotate between the three of you. You know, if Laka pulls out wide, Aubameyang comes in centrally. Oh, if Pepe wants like to they do at in, the back. Yeah, exactly. You know, make it fluid. You you don't always have to just because you've given Smith Rowe the number ten doesn't mean you have to always have him in the team. Just because Saka is and rightly so our golden boy and and you know nobody can condone the abuse he got in the summer. When we're not a competition winner, we don't just play players because because of their reputation or because they're local or. And and the thing is, Bukayo Saka is not going to kick up a stink because he's he's out of the side for a few weeks. He's just not. It's only natural for young players to go through peaks and troughs. Well, you, you can't just keep on playing them, hoping they'll get better because it's not going to work. Minutes and this season, Chris. Tyranny, 684. Smith Rowe, 657. Saka, 643. And everyone else is below 600. Well, I mean, there you go. 
And, and like I said, again, I'll repeat it again for those people in the back who are hard of hearing. You can criticize people without being abusive. It doesn't mean that you hate them. It doesn't mean that they're shit, which I, I love that argument, by the way. Well, he's shit. Well, okay. Sorry. Expand on that. What makes somebody shit? It's just such a lazy, well, shit. What, what do you mean by that? What, what does that even mean? Like, so there, there is nothing wrong with just saying a player has got room to develop. A player's got maybe needs to be taken out of the firing line a bit. And that and that includes the captain, by the way, who, to be fair to him, he's put in a shift the last couple of games. He's looked a lot fitter. And I think he's coming back to somewhere near his best. But there's no harm in dropping a puppy for a game if he's not performing. Just so like no simply, Chris is saying we criticise because we care. Yeah. And I'm also and saying six goals in a lot games. of them set fire to the stadium and start again. That's what I'm also saying, of course. But people are quite touchy. I tweeted yesterday if only something like if only Opta had stats for Morris dancing and, and trying to kill opponents from a corner, then Pepe would be the best player or something along those lines. Why can't he take a corner, Chris? What what the fuck is he got? how can a bloke get two pinpoint free kicks in one game and score? And then unable to beat the first man at the corner. These are the things that drive people up the fucking wall. Yeah, and, and I and I I'm not here to defend Pepe's corners. I'll, I'll defend his output. And, I'll, and if people want to get on the old stats train, there's plenty going out there about his, his output and his production levels. The corner thing, to me, any professional footballer that hits the first man from a corner should just repeatedly. Be or well, maybe yeah, he's just I mean, trying to damage them so they have to go off. Maybe it's that tactic. Well, the the, the one thing I would say is anyone can do one in a game, two in a game. I mean, John McGinn is one of the most gifted footballers in the Premier League right now and underrated from dead ball situations. I've seen him take some hideous corners for Villa this season. And I'm sure now I've said that, he'll whip in a beauty on, on Friday for the <laughs> inevitable Ollie Watkins winner. Yeah, but, um, you know, David Beckham took some terrible corners in his time. It happens to even the best. But what I probably would say is, um, you know, if Pepe is put on corner duties and hits the first man three out of four times, again, would it really kill the manager to go, do you know what, let's switch corner takers? Come to that. Would it really kill the players to go, I know what the manager said, but can we just switch corner takers? Like, take some should be taking some. Yeah, exactly. You know, Erdegaard takes all corner of taker I've seen. I once saw some bloke kick the corner flag and fall over and completely yeah, miss the ball. Yeah. That's the worst corner flag I've ever seen. Yeah, that's happened to a few people at, at my level, I can tell you. But yeah, it's, you know, mistakes happen, but you can't don't don't keep on flogging the same dead horse if it's you know I don't even think Pepe's corners are, are particularly good. He, they weren't brilliant at Lille either. Like that's not. I'd rather have him on the edge of the box for things that fall to him. That's the sort of position I'd want him in. But yeah, like you, I would put I'd put Erdegaard on them because I think he's probably the best deliverer of a set piece we've got. Come on, Chris, fi fix Pepe for us. Tell Arteta what he's got to do. <laughs> um, resign. Um, oh, simple, okay, that, he's really. not resigning. What about the second <laughs> option? You know, um, advice, not quit. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, let him, just let him express himself and, and give him, you know, give him. I mean, well, a turn back, build a time machine, turn back time, and don't sign William because let's not forget that destroyed his confidence last season. Because one minute he was being sort of dubbed that he to have the team built around him, next minute he's he's behind a, a guy who's clearly at the end, wrong end of his career, no disrespect to William, but he didn't exactly tear it out, did he? So, no, I mean, if if, if I... The, the, the problem the problem with Pepe, I think, is that the Pepe we signed... Those sideburns. Fucking well, hell. I mean, they're, you they're don't, Do not live in Norwich, Pepe. You get rid of them farmer, Charles sideburns. 
if you sign if you sign a player who's basically the star player of a club you don't then sign him and try and change him into something else for me you don't if if you particularly a creative player you sign him because of what he's doing at his current club and you say to him i want you to do what you're doing for them for us what you don't do is, and let's not forget, Leon plays. If people aren't sure, because people, I've seen people tweet, he played as a striker for. No, Leon. He what, what did no. he do at Leon? What is he doing at he, Arsenal? He, in one sentence, he luck. played as. I mean, we've just touched on it there. He played as a wide player in a fluid four-three-three formation. So he played. He played. He had him and Jonathan Bumber on the other side, um, and then you had a central striker. Sometimes it'd be Jonathan Ikone, who's also a converted winger, um, and. and Pre, when Pepe was there, you had Victor Ossiman, who's also prolific for Napoli all of a sudden, and he's a player that, that will go for big money at some point. Another one we could have had, but, you know, that's by the by. Um, he he is a... Uh, uh, left back. Uh, under Christophe Galtier, who, just while we're here, one of the most underrated coaches in, in world football that we could also have got. But anyway, um, he he was a player who, who was given licence to go out and express himself. He could play right wing or left wing. And I, I will tell you straight up, he was as frustrating at Lille as he was at Arsenal sometimes. He would lose the ball repeatedly. He would trip over his own feet repeatedly. Um, he would give up possession repeatedly. Before, but what that he, bit but what he would also feet. do... But what he would also, yeah, he but what he would also do is win a game repeatedly. <laughs> because what he would provide that moment of magic that would win a game repeatedly. He would, or he would make a run that would open the space for one of the other attackers no. in the fluid three to come in and, and get a winning goal. At Arsenal, it just feels like I. It's almost like he's got like, um, almost like a like a, a box that he's not allowed to step out of. You know, mm. people forget he made both goals last night, Monday night. True. You know, I mean, he's done a lovely flicker. Do you think he's got? I mean, we were talking about Tommy Ashu, and he's more of a defender come right back than an actual right you know modern day right back running forward do you think we yeah. should just say to Pepe right mate you've got 10 games to save your career you're on the right just do whatever the hell you want Tommy don't go bombing forward just sit you know sit 10 yards deeper and say to Pepe you haven't got to get back into formation every time you haven't got to worried about being you know 30, 40 yards back helping out the defence like straight away because that might be waiting on his mind. He's thinking, if I lose this here, I've got to sprint 40, 50 yards back. If not, Mikel's going to drop me. Hmm. Do you think he should just be given just almost free reign for a few games? I don't know about free reign because I think think you only give free reign to the very elite footballers like Kevin De Bruyne's and your Messi's and, you know, your Neymar's where you just say, just go and do what you want to do. I don't think he's our most expensive player, Chris. Yeah, but he's not a a most elite if he's our most expensive player. But let's let's not forget that wasn't his choice, and that was also he was our most expensive player because a very large chunk of that 72 million went into a certain slightly overweight gentleman who now is no longer with the club, allegedly. So I wouldn't necessarily say that's all on him. I, I do get your point. Yeah, I, I mean, just let him let him off. Let the him be him. Yeah, yeah. That that's the key. It's take the stabilizers off, take the the, the training wheels away. You know, take that leash off him, and, and just say, right, yeah, you have the opportunity because because when he did that, he, he gave his best football, didn't he, last yeah. season? I'm saying if they just say do that for ten games, he could just prove it one way or the other, 
And because like I said, in the summer, he's either doing a new contract or we've got to sell him. Yeah. And we're not even going to get half of what we paid for him at the moment. So, somebody somebody tweeted the other day, and I, I liked it. I might try and find the tweet, actually, if I can. But somebody tweeted the other day, and I nodded along, and I, was, and, and I, I don't even know if they were an Arsenal fan. But they basically said, at this point, I can't wait for Arsenal to sell Nicolas Pepe just so the lad can enjoy his football again. And I was like, yep, I 100% agree with that. And how much would we rather, get for him, do you reckon, if he 20, went in the end of the season? 2025, max? Just Is this if he's going back to France? Oh, no, we wouldn't get that. Oh, no, he, no, no he, he doesn't go back to France. He goes somewhere like Serie A or the Bundesliga, and he, and he and I think he does particularly well. You know, and, and that's... It's just one of those things, isn't it? Like, you know, some, some players work under some managers, some players don't. Um, some fit, some don't. It's, but you've got to, you've got to give them the opportunity to thrive, haven't you? You've you've got to, you've got to give them the tools that again, don't sign a player if you're not willing to give them the opportunities that they that they they earn the move by doing. You know, why would you you wouldn't you wouldn't look at buying a new car and then drive it around the field? Say, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Before. I said, you that's know, like, why would you go and buy like a nice Porsche 911 or something and fit a tow bar on it and drag a caravan by? Exactly. You, you know? Exactly. I, I, it's not just an Arsenal thing. I mean, look, you you know, Pogba, a man United ever going to play him how he plays for France and how he played for Juventus? Probably not. And he's walking he's away on the summer on a free, on a free isn't he? I mean, Lacazette, I mean, not to go back to Lacazette, have we ever played him how he played? Before we spent fifty million on him, mm, very rarely. Well, I very think we rarely. did briefly under Emery for a while. And I not, just not think not with him, I think he's too nice, you know, and he's not selfish enough to be a striker. And when he comes off the pitch, like I said, he's too professional as well. He never get he gets subbed so many times when he's not done anything wrong. And Most Premier League you know, teams, he'd be their starting striker for the whole season. Yeah, I mean the start of last season. He scored, what, three goals in four games, and for some reason Arteta dropped him for about a month and a half. And you think, well, well what could he do? He's he's either holding the ball up well and scored, or he gets dropped. I don't... Maybe he needs to start throwing his gloves around or something. I don't know. Maybe, well, he maybe is, he's just too nice. He is a player who doesn't hold back in how he feels about things. I will say that about him. He's not one to be... Be quiet, and he's a dressing room leader, which I think is probably if you if you look at a lot of the young players, they all speak very highly of him because he is a player who takes the time to help young professionals and and help other teammates, and he's he's a good trainer. Um, yeah, but maybe he should you know, take the time to help himself. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree. That's with That's what I mean. I you know, I'm not saying and he then, wants to play an inter all, but obviously yeah, maybe then the just a little bit more. The argument then is for me. He only he can only help himself if he gets given the opportunity, and he's only if he's he can only sort of play if he's given the chance to play. If that makes sense, you know, yeah, he, he can he can only do so much from the bench. He could not have done any more last night or Monday night to get his place in the side for Villa. He could not have done any more. And and I think John was trolling me, but um, Lana put in our in our hipsters group, and she said, "Oh, you know, Lacker and I replied and I said we don't deserve this lad." And uh, John replied and said, oh, yeah, what the same lacquer ballooned our best chance into the stand. And I was just like, John, I hope you're trolling because, you know, the, the reason he, he, yeah, fine, he did, he did miss a good chance. He also was the only fucker who was trying his ass off to get us back into that game at 2-1 down. 
And without him, we don't get anything from that game. And without his striker's instincts to finish, and it's a good finish, by the way, um, you know, we don't take anything from that game. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was trolling me, but, you, you know, it's... Uh, and we're not we're not saying he's the answer long term. He's not. You know, he, he just isn't. He's he's the wrong side of thirty, as is Aubameyang. Um My concern is: Do you would you trust Arteta to sign the next, the next Ian Wright, the next Nicholas and Elka? I mean, I wouldn't. So you know, Danny's so disgusted he's just left. But yeah, um, I think a cat's chewed through his wire. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, what do you think about Villa? Should we should we talk about that? Oh, oh, he's, he's back. back Fucking cat. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> you <called it. laughs> what what do we think about Villa? I mean, are we are we are we confident? Because I I'm not. This this to me has just got another depressing, you know, two one loss at home to a, an average club once again written all over it. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But uh, yeah, and as Danny rightly said, I'm I'm going to this game and I'm dreading it. So, you know. <laughs> what does that tell you? It could be worse. You could have like people taking a picture of the back of your head and posting it on Twitter. Yeah, that was quite quite odd. Although I love the fact <laughs> Carl's got a fan base. I mean, that's fantastic. And they didn't even say hello to him. No, I know. He's like, take a picture of him and not even say hello to him. How bizarre is that? Can you imagine next... like, seeing someone and like sort of you know off that and not saying hello? I mean, if I saw any yeah. of you guys, I'd just run over and give you a great big bear hug. Yeah, which I'm I'm all for unless you unless you are weird because if you do that and you see me on Tuesday, don't do that. Oh, Tuesday, Friday, whatever day of the week it is. We've been going an hour and a half, so we need to move along. We've got another ten minutes. Um, yeah. Chris, if you can succinctly say where do we go? Where do you think the club are going to go from here with Arteta? Are you like me and think nothing's going to change? I don't want anything to change because I, I don't. Like <laughs> you change. don't want anything to change. Good God! Well, you're in for a, a happy time then. <laughs> um, look. I'll just echo what I said earlier on. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope I hope I'm proved horribly wrong. And I hope in the next five to ten games, um, you know, he he shows everybody that these were just two average performances. Because I do I do put Brighton in with this as well. Uh, I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I think the performances against Spurs are in the minority, and I think the performances like we got on Monday are in the majority. Uh, and I personally think that if the results don't improve by Christmas, then I'm I'm heavily in the side of, of on the side of change because I don't see where we're going and I don't see where we're going to get to wherever we're supposed to be going under this particular manager. But will they change it? No, because they're gutless, spineless, and have no. They're if they change it, they've admitted they failed, aren't they? Edu's not going to do that. The only person that's going to change this is the person who owns the club, who probably doesn't even know what the club is. <laughs> so, so no, I don't think it changes. I think the only way it changes is if we get to the end of the season and we're still out of Europe. If we're still out of Europe again, because the money's going to, you know, people are going to stop going, the sales are going to go, uh, are going to reduce, um, and and we we won't we aren't going to be able to sign players if we stay out of Europe for too long. That's the only way. And he's not going to resign because why would he? He's a manager who's looking to build his career. We're not going to attract better sponsorship deals than we've got now if we're exactly. not in Europe as well. In long, you know, long term as well. And, and how this many is why we need to Rwanda. No one. <laughs> exactly. And this is why we need to take, you know, in all seriousness, this is why we need to take that Leeds game quite seriously because that's a trophy we could potentially win. And that's what that's probably this is how far we fall and that's probably our best route back into Europe is the League Cup. Because we're not we're not winning the FA Cup with the likes of Man City unless all the big teams knock each other out and we get a lucky draw all the way through. We're not winning that FA Cup this year. I don't think personally. 
Well, we could, I mean, I remember when we got, I want to say extremely lucky, and we got Birmingham in the final of the League Cup. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I, still, I still have nightmares of uh, Oberfemi Martins tearing Chesney and Koscielny a new one in that particular moment. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you need a bit of luck, of course, but I would look at that League Cup and think, do you know what? We could have that in the cabinet by February and know that whatever happens, we're in Europe next season. That takes a lot of pressure off. Um, I'm not saying we will. In fact, I don't think we will win it. Man City is still in it, aren't they? So probably not. But I think we I think we should prioritise it to a degree for, for right now anyway. Nick, if you can answer that in less than the hour it took, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> what was the question again? What, is, it, is anything going to change? No, because I don't think it matters who's in charge. Which do you want it to just, change then? Well, unless we get bought out like Newcastle, I don't think see how it can change. We've decided what we're doing. We're going Project Youth 8.0 or whatever number we're on now. And we've just got to just see how these lads get on over the next few years. And I said at the start of the season, we're going to have some ups and downs throughout the most of the season. As long as the last... 10 or 15 games we're on a good run and we look good and we know we look like we know what we're doing that's good but if we have a season another season of just being crap and we finish even lower than eighth and we don't look like we you know we we want people to say at the start of next season cool Arsenal had a really good run at the end of the season oh they're signed this or that play you know they could be challenging for top four here they look like they know they've got a plan if if we're not like that then he'll probably have to go right let's do some questions we've uh we've got some silly questions and some half decent ones sure uh, um hold on is that this i didn't even read this question i just automatically thought it'd be good nick from matt l roberts who is at matt LR28 on the twittings. How would you cope knowing that the women are on a break and have no game until Halloween? Arsenal men do not seem to be the answer. Do you watch the Arsenal women? No, is that? I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really watched them. I don't think I've. I think I watch them sometimes when they get to the cup final because we used to get a lot of um, the women's cup finals, didn't we? But I haven't really watched it. I think that is on a bit TV a bit more. But other than Arsenal, I don't really watch much TV. You know, um, you know the other games. Hmm. Yes. Well, the last time I watched women, Arsenal women, they got spanked by Barcelona. So that was the last game I watched. And um, I don't really watch much of it. Although they are doing very, very, very well. As long, as, long as they avoid the big teams in Europe. Chris, from Matt Royal Roberts again. What one word, you can answer this as well, Nick. What one word would you use for Mikel's, in quotes, style? For me, it would be horrible. <laughs> A hornbill. Horn, hornbill. Horn. Said it a long time ago. Uninspiring. I don't know. I think he might mean... Hold on, I'm going to... Is there a question? It does look like Hornbill. I'm going to get it and I'm going to cut and paste it into our into our chat. Now, does that say Hornbill or does that say horrible? Here we go. Hornbill. Right. What the fuck I, does I, Hornbill mean? I think he meant horrible. Maybe it was one of those that just there again. Hornbill. Not a bad description of Arteta's football. <laughs> what 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 would be the word I would use? Um, I'm trying to be nice here. I don't be I mean, nice. I, I, That's I, not I, why people are listening. 
Well, uninspiring is a good word. I was going to, the first word that came to mind was passive. Um, and I would like to throw in micromanaged because I will keep banging that drum for as long as I'm, I've got breath in my lungs. Those players are micromanaged within the, every inch of their life. Nick? Well, I think all managers really, you know, how they are, it comes into two. You've got what, proactive and reactive. And I think he's in the reactive where he goes into the game thinking, well, I'll set up like this and I'll see how we go, where the top managers and the winners are always proactive and saying, we're going to go out and we're going to do this and I don't give a damn what the other team are going to do because you ain't going to stop me. That's a little bit too highbrow for this podcast. Nick, I'm going to go with uh, nearly. (laughs) Sorry, I'll describe it. I mean, nearly. And I still think we will. So next question from James Stokes, who is at James Stokes on the Twitterings. This is for, for Nick. Do you think Arteta is stifling our creativity with rigid structure play? I think if you can answer that in any more than one word, you're wasting your time. Uh, yes. I mean, me and Chris said that earlier with Pepe and a few other players. He's got to let, let them off the leash a bit. Chris? Yes. Very good. That's right. It. Question from Tim Hardwick at Barcelona. Um, for start with you, Nick, were we good or were Spurs shit? One one word. Actually, yeah, good or <laughs> as many words as you want. Can we have both? We we yes. were good for about half an hour, and they good were answer. bad for most of it. Uh, do you agree, Chris? Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that. To be fair. Okay, question for Chris from the legend that is Edward Longbridge at Eddie Longbridge. Hey. He um, he says if all the players, other coaches, and what seems to be general footballing community are saying how amazing Arteta is and how they and how they've never seen such incredible ideas, etc., then why is it just not working? Because all managers who beat him, of course they're going to say that because they want him to stick around. Simple as that. If I hear it's Pep Guardiola... Effect. Yeah, if I hear Pep Guardiola praise Mikel Arteta one more time, I'm going to fly up to Manchester and slap his bald head. It's so it's so utterly... No manager's going to come out. Imagine this. Manager comes out after game. You know, congratulations, manager X of Manchester United. You've beaten Arsenal today. What's your thoughts on, on Mikel Arteta? well he's dog shit isn't he they're not going to say that are they like they're just not are they so you know there's a obviously it's a code in football they're going to respect each other look I'm not I've said before and I, you know again I'll say it again I think he's a very good coach and I think he will become a very good coach and I think there's a lot of really good qualities about him unfortunately his his uh his failings or his um you know his his poor parts of his management are so glaringly obvious to me and to many others. And I think finally people are starting to to uh, to take the rose-tinted spectacles off, looking past the fact he was a legendary player and just questioning some of those decisions. And again, you have every right legendary. to question people. Well, you know, a, a player who was gave us good service. Yeah. You, again, you can question methods without saying he's shit. So... I yeah, I just I don't think any manager's ever gonna slag off another manager and, and they, they will love to have him in place if they it means they beat us. All right, question for Nick. 
um, from some bloke called Carl at that underscore London underscore guy. Carl doesn't even have a thousand followers yet. What? You, you fuckers need to sort that out. When people say I want more followers, I say you don't want more followers. It's just more people that are going to tell you you're wrong. And unless you're Chris, you don't, you're not interested in that. Carl says to Nick, why do we have such a problem with our home form? Arsenal have failed to win 15 of the last 23 home Premier League games under Arteta. Surely the bare minimum is winning all your home games. That's well, he's not wrong. Man. You know, your home well, form is used. Oh. Well, he's never wrong, Carl. <laughs> he's a clever bloke. I mean, when he's at the football Friday, can everyone go up to him and tell him how right he is? That's what you want to do. <laughs> it's a hell of a stat, by the way. Was it 15 out of 23? That's bloody nuts. So that means he's won eight out of 23, I think. There's your stats for those keeping tabs. Ah, right. Maybe it's yeah. just the pressure of playing at home and ex- expectations of the fans. And well, Wenger went through a, a patch of that as well, didn't he? he didn't win yeah, there's, a simple, there's a simple solution to that. If the job's too big for you, don't manage that club. Simple. Right. A follow-up question from Carl says, now that I'm getting noticed, when I go out, will Danny provide extra security for me? Well, we got our six monthly payment from, you know, I was saying we couldn't get, I couldn't get it because mm. of tax reasons. They just took 25% and gave us 69 quid. So oh, that's amazing. six months of YouTube, 69 quid. That pays for three quarters, two thirds of the um, SoundCloud thing. Well, what do you so know? we're still on course to be self-sufficient. Yes, Carl, Full security. And if you do see Carl at the game, don't take a picture of him and then tweet it like that bloke did, which is nice. Go and say hello to Carl. Go and say to him, Carl, you're my favourite on there because we all know he isn't. Uh, A question for you from someone called John Welsh, Chris, at jwelsh84. Is Pepe the good winger, stifled by the manager, or just a £72 million no-go in disguise? I mean, do, do you even want me to dignify that with a response? Does, does, do, I mean, we all know John's asked that because it's me. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think we covered it earlier on. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not saying he hasn't got flaws. Of course he has. I'm not saying he doesn't have elements of him that's very frustrating. Of course he does. But he's mercurial. He he brings that element of chaos which every club needs. And and he's and he's ridiculously talented. And and if you play him in the right positions and you give him the right uh, freedom, then you get the best out of him. Um, is he worth seventy-two million quid? No, absolutely not. But that's what we paid for him, and that's the way it is, you know. So get the best out of the guy. Stop, stop stifling him every bloody five minutes. You put him on the pitch. So there you go. That's how I feel about it. Um, Nick, question from Pete Kennelly: Is club football, which he's put clubberful, which I'm thinking the clubber lang, which I'm sure he doesn't mean. I think he means is club football boring, or when does international games recommence? <laughs> oh dear, I don't know. Oh no, he's cl- like Oh, I think what he's done, clubber lull, as in inter lull. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it almost didn't work, Pete. So what's your answer, Nick? Fuck European, fuck international football. Let's take it. Pretty much. Good. I mean, I only watch the finals anyway. I- don't, I'll never watch any of the friendlies or qualifiers because other than playing the game of seeing how many you know, Liverpool and Man United players are going to leave with injury and then play the next game for them, that's not really worth bothering with. It isn't indeed. Right, now I've come to the part of the show which is uh, gentlemen's nods while you two are thinking of someone. I have got two 
One is from me, is to Shravan, which is at S-H-R-A-V-A-N-A-T-O-R, Shravanator. They, I saw an Arsenal podcast that is called at V-A-D-A, Vada, London, and it's an Arsenal Tamil podcast. And I retweeted that, and then Shravan messaged me and went, either is Tamil or he speaks Tamil. So I've had a little wiki and Tamil is the official language of the Indian state of Tamil Nadu and one of 22 languages under the schedule eight of the constitution of India. So the gist of that is if you speak Tamil and you want an Arsenal podcast done in Tamil, you need to go to the Twitters and find Varda London and go and tell them we said hello. They have a new show out today, I think. So, Nick, do you, is there anybody you want to say hello to? Not really. I didn't think about that. But I suppose... Um, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> money down your pants. You're, tw- you're yeah. Twitch massive. <laughs> nah, not that. I was supposed to give a shout-out to old Mike from the Gooners. Folks. He's still over here, and he's going to the Villa game this week as well, isn't he? Because he, I think he's here all week. So, yeah. you know, he'd love it if you'd like everyone could just go up to him, say hello, and rub his bald head for like... 20 minutes. Yes. I know, but apparently him and uh, Elliot Bianchi Ghana, they didn't watch any of the game. They were too busy uh, videoing themselves crying as they walked into the stadium for every game they've been to. So pathetic. Chris, anyone you want to say hello to? Any horn bills? Any, uh, no, no. I was, I was going to say uh, nice to hear Pete Kenley's name again. Uh, Pete in Australia. Good to hear he's keeping well. Um, no, I, I think the, the only uh, sort of shout I would give... Um, well, actually, okay, there is technically two. One is to the, the people who saved that person's life at Newcastle the day, because fair fucking play to them, by the way. Uh, not all heroes wear capes. And as much as I begrudge to admit it, fair play to the Spurs players for getting the necessary treatment when um, when needed, because, you know, that, that was a pretty horrific thing to happen, wasn't it? And I'm really glad the guy's making a recovery. But, yeah, fair play to the two. I think it was a gentleman and a lady who helped helped uh, start CPR. So, um, yeah, fair play to them. That's that's good. Um, other than that, it is just a shout-out to... Um, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Is that his name? Yeah. He used to... There's a, there's a Tom Pritchard. He used to be in WWE. That's that's quite scary. Anyway, um, yeah, shout-out to Tom. Rand, Randy Savage's brother? Uh, no, that was the genius. Um Anyway, let's move on. Uh, yeah, no, just just a, a quick shout out to formerly of this parish, uh, Mr. Jason Davies, who's um, very kindly uh, with the help of with the help of uh, stop it with the help of um, uh, Mr. Jeff Arsenal. Like he's going to listen. Has managed to uh, well, no, but it's you know to all the other people out there. Um, but no, he has managed to get us uh, a pair of tickets for the Villa game on uh, on Friday, as Danny mentioned. Um, I shall be travelling up to London from rain-soaked Plymouth uh, at the moment. It is pissing with rain here, um, and then meeting the Welsh Wonder in uh, in Victoria. And then, as as you said earlier, Danny, we'll be going to meet Simon Collings of the uh, of the uh, the journalism world. Uh, he's the flying standard. Yeah, standard. He interviewed Emil Smith Rowe today, the little cheeky monkey. Um, he was on um, FK's podcast the other day. Remember FK Splitter? Uh, who's it? I, never heard of that guy. No. Fuck him. Uh, love you, FK. But yeah, um, just, so just a shout out to those boys. I'm looking forward to seeing to J- seeing Jace again. Uh, I'm sure that will change after about ten minutes in his company. I'm joking, but yeah, be good to see Jace again. I think so I think we're meeting Carl and Femi and Neil and Simon and. 
Uh, I think, as you rightly said, Mike's still there. I don't know if Elliot is still. I don't know if Elliot's in London for the week or not. I'm not sure. Deported. But I'm I'm pretty sure we'll bump into many many fun faces. So um, as Danny said, if if you do happen to spot us, uh, please don't give me abuse because I'm very fragile and you know I, I get upset. No, I don't. But, but people can come and say hello to you, can't they? Yeah, of course they can. And you can run away really fast you. with your flashy exactly. shoes. I'll, I'll just hide. Uh, yeah, and what just be careful. Ta- how much is it to run their fingers through your gorgeous locks? Well, I was just going to say, just be careful, because from the back, I probably do look like a woman. So just be very careful where you put your hands in case She's it's nice. not me. Exactly, she was nice. So, uh, yeah, but no, in, in all seriousness, anybody who does happen to, to um, have the misfortune to run into me and, and the wonderful Welshman, uh, please do say hi. It, it is genuinely touching when people... Literally, when people, um, you know, sort of listen to this podcast. And we do do it for you guys because it's therapy for us. It's entertainment for you guys, hopefully. Um, but yeah, expense. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But no, I, I am looking forward to it. It will be nice to get back up there. It's been a while since I've been up to a game um, due to, obviously, uh, a pandemic and, uh, and and money. So, no, it'd be nice to go up there. I just hope we put in a performance. I really do. I, I'd like nothing more than for us to turn up a... A five nil thrashing a villa and look fantastic and, and everything be wonderful. Um, but if not, me and Jace will go back to the old Premier Inn and cry ourselves to sleep. So win win every day, isn't it really? Will you be having a doctor on standby for Jace when he goes mental volcanic when we go three nil down in the first ten minutes? And he, um, he has a stroke or something. No, but I tell you what I will oh, do. bastards. Here's a promise to all of our loyal listeners. Uh, I will have my phone on me. And I will be taking some voice recordings of uh, both me and Jace. So Danny can use that for the extras for next week. So if I can catch him in full flow when he doesn't notice, then I, I will I will get his permission to use it, of course. But assuming I can catch him in mid-scream, then we will have that for next week's pod. So look forward to that. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. Uh, Nick, is, I think you've got to go to work now, have you, Nick? No, I've got to be up at half four in the morning. That's it, same thing. And Chris is uh, still wearing... Are you wearing Moo Cow Adidas at the moment? Yeah, they look they're like fantastic. Moo Cows. Do you look at them? They're, they're yes. brilliant. Look at these. These are, these are fantastic. Look at these, look. look are they Moo Cow? I think they're like Zebra. But they've got um, the old Adidas, you know, and then they've got yes. the logo there. Yeah, they are proper... Uh, this, is, this is boutique at its very best, so yeah. My sister's got a pair of them. Off, <laughs> she's obviously got very good taste, Nick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. less, less of my fashion, the better, but you know, it's unique. Nick, where can people find you on the wonderful world of Twitter and Twitch? Unless that's the same on both us, Nick Fights on the Twitter or the Twitch. And next month, I'm gonna be reliving the glory days, I'm gonna be playing um FIFA 2004 on stream, trying to recreate the Invincibles. Oh. Which is not going to work, but I'm also going to do like a giveaway because there's a new um, Invincible Arsene Wenger DVD Blu-ray coming out next month, so I'm going to obviously get a copy of that and then play that and give that away to someone on the stream. I'm, I'm yes, sure you'll the, turn up, Chris. Those people oh, that I, are doing I, that, I, it's. I it's called Arsene Wenger Invincible. Arsene Wenger's achievements are stunning. His legacy is unique. Never before has he told his story in his own words. It's made by the same people that made uh, Finding Jack, Bobby Robson more than a manager, The Edge, Steve McQueen, 
Le Mans and Le Mans, they sent us a link so we could have gone and watched it early and I forgot to look. And so now yes, they, they are on Twitter. Um, in fact, uh, do I do this? I clicked on, oh, there you go. I asked them what they wanted me to do and included there was a link. So I'm going to go and give that a little retweet now. Good so God. go to our, our Twitter and go and find it at Venga Film. Sorry if you people are watching this, but I said, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. And then I didn't look at our emails for a week because I don't look at the podcast stuff for, for a week. Or anybody who's emailed us will know that. So it's... Uh, you pay yeah, peanuts, you get Danny. That, that's it. Yeah, so go and have a look at those people. They were kind enough to contact us. Um, Chris, <laughs> where can people find you? Are you back to running yet? Uh, semi. Um, uh, there's still a little bit of discomfort, so I'm I'm in rehab, but I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, at KC, uh, KC underscore runs with Z. Is that Kevin Campbell? Or is it you? Uh, no, that's definitely me. I am the original okay. KC. Uh, yeah, at KC runs on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is for all my pre- pretty pictures and uh, dog pictures and also not dogging pictures i need to stress dog pictures um and lots of pretty sunsets but yeah if you want to read my bullshit about football and my obviously massively biased french football opinion you can do so and i do usually tweet along to most of the french games at the weekend so if you want any live uh live tweeting if that's your kind of cup of tea then uh drop me a line and um, yeah do check out nick because um twitch is always fun and it's nice to uh Give a bit of support to your local streamers, if you will. And everybody's local on the internet. So, yeah, give them a follow. And then when you've done with that, come and follow my Instagram. And if you don't, I'll come for you. And I'm quite often in Nick's streams. You are. There's a special intro for when I turn up. Mm-hmm. And then I go, I hate this game. Why are you playing? And then I go. But I've been watching Alan Wake. That wasn't too bad. I think that's it, everybody. Uh, nearly two hours. Well, thank you very much for watching. We will be back sometime next week. I will spend Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday asking these useless shitbags, anybody free, anybody free, and then it'll be nothing. It'll be tumbleweed. So uh, expect me on my own next week. Actually, Stan the Man. I asked him to come on tonight, and then uh, Chris said he was free. So Stan the Man will almost definitely be on next week from Canada Land. And other than that, I don't think there's any more podcast news you need to know about. So we will see you all again next week. Keep your glasses trendy and your, your beard topped up. Oh, a wrong, that's a wrong show, isn't it? Is that coming back, Chris? Not with that intro. No, it's yeah, not, is it? one day. We'll, we'll, we'll probably do a Christmas special or something, maybe, if you're lucky. There you go, people. Something to get out of bed for. We will see you all next week. And away. If you know, you know. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.